yeah, Hacksaw Beverly Duggan, you won the Elimination Chamber last weekend and walked out as WWE Champion. And three weekends ago, I, the Macho Dog Dirty Savage, won the Royal Rumble. I did not expect you, dig it, to win the championship belt of the world inside the Elimination Chamber as the number one contender. I laid down my right to challenge for the WWE title at WrestleMania because uh, I do not want that to to get in the way of you and I in the podcast. Oh, that's because I stand for all the values of the United States of America, just like you and the Macho Midget do back in 1994 when you stormed the Adirondacks together to challenge those evil Quebecers. Ho! Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. Sleep old has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. <laughs> Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Welcome everybody again to the newest episode of Main Event Status Radio. I am Mr. Beverly Hills here chilling down in the cool confines of my basement, but next to the the very unseasonably warm weather outside uh, and my guest sitting out on his patio Shirtless as usual, wearing a Speedo with uh, sunscreen on his nose, is the one and only Dirty Dog Darcy. How you go doing, brother? I had to do a pop top to the warm weather. It's beautiful up here in central Minnesota. I'm happy we can talk through the internet waves. Mr. Beverly Hills, I'm so excited to chat it up with you today. All right, man. Well, I'm I'm glad you are. How, how you been? Have you been enjoying this uh, unseasonably warm weather getting outside uh sun tanning like i said or or anything else i've been walking around doing my vince mcmahon walk randomly <laughs> stopping randomly posing occasionally farting but that's after the pose but yeah i've been enjoying the weather it's been beautiful i'm not looking forward to it in a week or so it going back to the normal february march weather and possible snow I hate I hate snow, I hate cold, but I guess that's what I get for being in Minnesota. Yeah, I, th- I think we're all really loving this, but uh, we all know that at some point it's going to change. It, it is, alas, only February. In words, um, in words of Ozzy Osbourne, we're going through changes. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose you'd be correct. I think I would say more that in the words of, um, hmm, well, who would this be? I think it's the Bengals, but it, it is almost a hazy shade of winter coming up in in a few days. Last, we are not summertime, summer loving anymore. 
but if we're headed for that hazy shade of winter. I was correct, by the way. That's the Bengals. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Mr. Beverly Hills. Awesome. Well, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad you appreciate my my musical knowledge. You really should. It's it's uh, it's pretty outstanding. <laughs> Other, otherwise, how you been, my man? It's been good. I had a fun time watching the Elimination Chamber last weekend. Uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking this past week, just getting mentally prepared, mentally excited, which I'm always excited to talk to you anyway, but even more so <laughs> to talk about the Elimination Chamber because I felt like, in my opinion, a lot happened this past Sunday at the Elimination Chamber. Sure, I, I did too, and I, I enjoyed this uh this pay-per-view as well but before we get into our uh thoughts i know that you uh talked recently with uh jordan garber about this pay-per-view so uh i think i will send it over to you chatting it up with him how about that sounds beautiful here's my interview with jordan seen up has bray wyatt up into the fireman's carry oh wyatt counters And I'm back with Jordan Garber. Jordan, what was your thoughts of Bray Wyatt walking out of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view as WWE champion? Well, you know, it's. I was kind of talking about this on Angry Marks about people. I kind of want to transcend. I want to say, first off, Bray Wyatt as a champion is a good thing. It was a prediction for something that happened in the wrestling world for 2017 and it became a reality. So it's finally good to see Bray Wyatt as a chant. Uh, sorry, as, as the champ. What I was going to say is the chant, when he won the title, everyone's chanting, you deserve it to him. In reality, he didn't deserve it. He won the match fair and square. He pinned him one, two, three. I think that you deserve it chant pretty much like ruins the wrestling business a little bit, the way that term is said. Don't you kind of agree? Yeah, I agree that. You know, like you said, that Bray Wyatt won fair and square in the match that, you know, obviously everybody knows, or a lot of people know that, you know, people in the back are the ones that decide who wins and loses. And some of those chants, like you said, you deserve it, I find to be very silly because it's not like football or other pro sports where it's actually decided on the court. Yeah, exactly. It's predetermined, but like it's still, it's based on athleticism as well. Why they do certain things and whatever. He also did earn that with his athletic ability, etc. blah, blah, blah. He's a big guy, but he can move for his size as well. So that's another reason why he's a champion. So it's going to be interesting to see how long this goes. And hopefully it's uh, for more than, uh, hopefully it's past WrestleMania. Who knows? We'll find out soon enough. A few of my friends were texting me the night of the Elimination Chamber and after the show went off air talking about how they were, I guess, upset about John Cena tying up Ric Flair's 16 world title record and only holding the title for two weeks. And I was texting them back and forth saying that obviously the world title hasn't meant as much. Like when Ric Flair held his 16th world title 
in I think 99 or so, and also didn't mean as much when he won his first world title back in the early 80s. Uh, what is your thoughts, Jordan, on John Cena tying Ric Flair's record and only holding the title for two weeks? Well, you know, um, it's it's a good thing. You know, they, it was meant to be. Uh, we've seen it coming for a long time, and it finally did. So it's kind of like one of those um, milestones when Kobe Bryant reaches like a points record or something like that. So it's good to see John Cena win the title um, again. Uh, unfortunately, he lost it, but I think that was that that championship win was just meant to be to tie Ric Flair's record, and it's uh, good that he did so uh, really well. Uh, like he earned that. He certainly earned that, and uh, it's uh, well worth it. He he knows how to act, and that's the reason why he's a big star in the business. Uh, possible WrestleMania match coming out of the Elimination Chamber is uh, Baron Corbin possibly challenging Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. That uh, Baron Corbin's been making a lot of improvements over the last year or so, being on the main roster, and I feel like his performances at the Chamber, at the Royal Rumble a few weeks ago, and at Survivor Series back in November, I feel like he's been making make, uh, making a bunch of improvements, leaps and bounds over than what I originally expected him to be this last year WrestleMania when he won the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal. I guess, what is your thoughts on possibly Ambrose and Corbin for the Intercontinental title, and your thoughts on Corbin being on the main roster for the last year or so. Yeah, um, Ambrose and Corbin, it should be a really good match. Um, both have similar backgrounds. Uh, it's going to be interesting because it's for the Intercontinental title, and uh, I hope Corbin does win. I hope they give him a, a push and they give him a title run. It would be really well earned for him if that was the case. Uh, as for him being on the main roster, good for him. You know, I've seen it coming when he was in NXT. Uh, a great talent, a great person, and he uh, definitely belongs on the main roster. He is WWE material. Then this past week on SmackDown on Tuesday night, Orton, I guess, backed out of his number one contendership to challenge Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania for the WWE title. It's, there's been a lot of rumblings the last few weeks leading into the Royal Rumble that will, will be Orton and Wyatt at WrestleMania for the title. What is, I guess, your thoughts on everything that's been going on with the Wyatt family storyline the last few months? I think it's going to be good. You know, they're going with something new, and now you know what usually happens with Orton is things get repetitive and all that, and thank goodness uh, that John Cena didn't hold on to the title till Mania. Now look, it's kind of cool. It's a good feud. I think it's going to be great for WrestleMania. I think it's perfect. How can the listeners of Main Event Status Radio find you online, Jordan? They can follow me on Twitter at Jordan J. Garber, and I think my Instagram is Jordan J. Garber as well. Yeah, it is. And my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Jordan J. Garber. Thank you very much for having me on, and you, you have yourself a uh, great day. Thanks for uh, having me on once again. Thank you, Jordan. I wonder what is going through AJ Styles and Bray Wyatt's minds. What, what it's going to take to win? It. They got to be creative. A move here. A Try move something there. they've never done. A counter here. A counter there. And he totally makes someone's career. And somebody's going to look back with a regret. Brutal proving ground. Phenomenal four notes blocked by Wyatt. Sister Abigail on AJ Styles. <laughs> 
is the Elimination Chamber. The Reaper of Souls, Bray Wyatt, has won his first WWE Championship. The era of Wyatt is here. Welcome to hell, SmackDown. Bray Wyatt, the title that has eluded him, is now owned by the Eater of Worlds. Bray Wyatt has done it. Thanks again, Jordan, for coming on the show for a little bit, chatting about the Elimination Chamber, what's going into WrestleMania. Mr. Beverly Hills, let's get into the show. Right on. Okay, so we opened up with one of our three women's matches for the evening. We had the returning Mickey James taking on Becky Lynch. What's First off, I get this outside of the match. What's your just thoughts on the return of Mickey James to, to WWE? I am happy to see Mickey James back. I feel like well, even either brand that she was on, should help legitimize, I guess, the women's division. Since last time she was on, I believe it was right around the time when the WWE switched the women's title over to the Divas title. So it was nice to see Mickey James back and a veteran who can help the current women's division on SmackDown now to improve and hopefully get better and help the next generation of women women's wrestlers. Right. Yeah, I I agree that I really think that um I I just think that having a a veteran presence really um would is going to help everything being that uh, even though they do have some veterans definitely not to the level of Mickey James who's been um at pretty high level competition going on almost 15 years at this point. What was your thoughts on uh, the match itself uh, that we got from these two. To be honest, I, I, that match didn't blow me away. I don't really remember much of the match. I guess overall, I'm just happy that there was three women's matches on the card, and they spaced them out. I felt like pretty good for the fans won't you know live the arena or for me won't won't get too burnt out from watching three women's matches possibly in a row or rotating every other match with the guys on the card. Right, yeah. Well, I Yeah, I'll talk about that later, but I think that this match itself, I actually, I liked it pretty well. Um, I think that they, you know, didn't have a ton of time, but they really kind of um, did did with that time pretty well. I liked the, the kicks especially, and I liked the finish that, was Mickey James going hitting her kick, but uh, Lynch being under the ropes, and then as she was dragging her back, going to hit a DDT, getting rolled up. I thought that was kind of a creative finish and one that um, keeps Mickey James strong because she uh, pretty much had it won, but also really shows you know Becky Lynch's uh, ingenuity, her uh, kind of wherewithal to to. Uh, get that win even though she was down and out. Yeah, that like you said, that it shows Becky Lynch is smart and why she was the first SmackDown Women's Champion that that she can play a possum and then, like you said, with the finish, bam, hit her DDT out of nowhere and score the victory. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was so much playing possum, more like... Uh, that she was beat, but since she's kind of the plucky baby face, you're thinking more, I'd say more if you want playing possum is kind of like guys who are down heelish, not yeah. so much uh, on the baby face side. I, I don't guess, think yeah. you want that. 
I guess don't think the, you'd want that. Not the right word or choice in I could suppose. My yeah. apologies. <laughs> no problem. All right. So our first uh, men's match of the evening, uh, a handicap match. The recently turned Dolph Ziggler taking on both uh, kind of up and comers, I guess you would call them, Apollo Cruz and Callisto. Uh, first, I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the dynamics of the match where you have a heel single taking on two um, baby faces and then kind of what they did with that. So what are your thoughts on kind of that in general? I feel like what they had, they did the best possible scenario with you know, the two baby faces coming out first when Clisto, well, obviously Paulo Cruz came out first when Clisto, Clisto started to come out doing his pose on the stage, having Ziggler run out, sneak attack him, you know, throw him in, throw him into the stage, flip him upside down, uh, rear end over tea kettle. It was nice to see Ziggler, tr- you know, playing the heel and trying to gain the advantage any way possible. And obviously, you know, in the end, they didn't work out well for him. But I enjoyed seeing the mean streak of Dolph Ziggler because I feel like it's something that his character needed a shot in the arm because I felt like his babyface character was starting to get very stale over the last few months, at least watching him on pay-per-view on the WWE Network the last several months. Yeah, I thought they kind of booked themselves into the corner a little bit by having the heel be the solo and the face be the um, the duo there. But I really thought, like you said, they kind of did with what they they could there. And by having him attack one and making it a, a one-on-one match, uh, but in doing it in a way that was unfair by attacking uh, Kalisto when he was coming out on the ramp, uh, still kind of serves him as, as the, the bad guy in that scenario. I think you really risk... Uh, turning him into the underdog with uh, two guys uh, taking him on, but they, I think, tried their best to still paint him as the as the villain there. I want to get your thoughts, Mister Beverly Hills. I know it's a different era of pro wrestling, but what is your thoughts on Dolph Ziggler being cheered throughout the match when he's booked as the heel in this match? Yeah, I think we saw that a few times on this month's pay-per-view where I th- I really think we're just in a time where people cheer who they want. And um, I don't know if we need to, I guess, really place too much credence in that. I think people cheer um, who is giving over the best. And I don't think that it should really affect um, – how how the booking is. I think it just means that he's doing a good job. And I do think that uh, Ziggler came across pretty well in in this match as the as the villain, as the guy who was taking it to Cruz uh, pretty well there and then being kind of like apoplectic when the person who he thought had taken he had taken out comes out and uh joins the match there at the end. Yeah, I don't feel like it's not really necessarily a bad thing that, like you said, the fans cheer who they want to cheer because I feel like in the real world, people 
you know, life ain't really painted as, you know, a clear good guy, clear bad guy and all that. You know, the many shades of gray, I suppose. So, but I do like, the, like I mentioned, I do like to change a character for Ziggler. I feel like the new Ziggler is a guy who fans can get behind and that he's shown a new edge in his character and I hope they actually do something good with Ziggler to help build him back up because like even this past SummerSlam he fought uh, Dean Ambrose for the WWE title and well, I can remember you and I weren't really that impressed with that match and weren't really that impressed with how they're building, trying to rebuild Ziggler at that time so I'm hoping now that you know, starting out at, you know, <coughs> this last Sunday at the Chamber that it's going to be a new Ziggler and a possible new push for him. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I'm not agreeing with you on that one. I, I kind of like that he's in the mid-card. Not everybody's got to be the champion. I don't think everybody needs a push. I think that's where we get issues. Like, just to to be a – what, was were people in 90, 1991, were they like – Gosh, well, I can't believe that Roddy Piper is having amazing matches with Bret Hart. Man, I wish he was getting ready for a world title push. Well, what's so bad about being really good at your spot? I think it's pretty much shown that Ziggler's not not a good main eventer, and enough, I'm fine. I'm fine with him just doing a really good job in in the middle. I guess you could compare Ziggler to Piper. Do you feel like? Well, I guess you did kind of answer the question, but I, I guess I agree with you that in a way it would be cool to see Ziggler in that paper role, per se, like like from the mid-80s to 91, like you said, to kind of be the guy, kind of be like the Jake the Snake Roberts, to be the guy to help groom, I don't, I don't know, maybe the next challenger for the world title or whatever else. I guess I, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it here and what you said, I agree with. I do like your point on... Ziggler, you know, we need we do need mid card guys, and mm-hmm. like I guess now you know, th- thinking back, kind of you help helping jog my memory, him as world champion before a couple years back really didn't work, so I guess yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay, <laughs> no, I guess I'm just that's, not. That's not, called going around a track. You. <laughs> that's why you, you did a lap and you ended up in the same spot. That's why I'm like. Might as well cut it off before you give me a chop block and pip in the figure four. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, wow. That's a lot of talking for we're ended up in the same place. Ooh. Um, what what was your thoughts on the on the finish and the, the post-match of, of this one here? I guess I feel like uh, Ziggler got his crumpets on, you know, he tried to attack Kalisto to get, you know, give himself an advantage and it bit him in the rear end at the end of the match. But I did like seeing Ziggler still show that mean streak at the end and beating up, you know, leaving Cruz and Kalisto in the middle of the ring, down and out. I enjoy seeing, I guess, yeah, you know, this new Ziggler. And I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with him for into WrestleMania and further into 2017. Did you watch this? Yes. Okay, and it kind of sounds like you're you're doing this vague... I like his character. I I like what he did. I, I guess my memory isn't as clear as what happened. So yeah, I'm okay. Sorry. So he's sorry about yeah. that. That uh, top notch analysis. 
<laughs> he hit, he after the match he put uh, Cruz's leg in the chair, did the the pilmanizing twice, did it to both legs, and we got uh, Cruz Ling and uh, Callisto uh, kind of over his body there as as Ziggler was able to go to the back. I th- I liked it because it really shows that uh, you know Ziggler kind of got he he lost right, but he lost to two two people he was able to come out on top at the end and i'm interesting i'm interested to see if they follow through with cruz being out for a long time or uh if this is just kind of another bump in the road or where we go with that because in previous generations that would put somebody out for a real long time uh so i'm kind of interested to see where we I guess we go with that one. We'll talk about him being pillmanized and all that. If Cruz comes back within a few weeks and not being, not really selling the injury, would, would that hurt? Does it hurt the idea of, or would that hurt Ziggler on pillmanizing both of Cruz's legs, in your opinion? I don't think it hurts Ziggler, I think, because hopefully at that point he would have moved on either to someone else or to another part of his story. And I just think that it, I just think it would hurt the whole injury element in general. And, you know, we're supposed to invest when someone's hurt and you kind of want that to, to be followed through with. Fair enough. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So our next match we had for the tag team championships, uh, American Alpha go in as the champions, come out as the champions, but not as simple as that since this was a tag team turmoil match. Uh, what are your thoughts in general on the tag team turmoil concept? For those of you who aren't familiar, kind of like a battle royal, two teams start. When one team is eliminated, the next one comes out until uh, we are we have one team reigning at the end. I I guess I like the concept. I in ways I wish America Alpha would have you know would have been one of the first teams, if not the initial two, maybe come in a little bit earlier. But I am happy that America Alpha did walk out victorious and still champions. And I guess I kind of have a um, I I well I've seen Chad Gable. Uh, in, in, in AW up before, before he also got signed with the WWE. So I, it's cool seeing him on the big stage in the WWE and getting a push like he is. Yeah, I I like the the concept of uh, tag team turmoil because it it does allow you to spotlight a lot of different uh, teams who might not get it normally, and it it isolates. Um, teams instead of just having a big uh, elimination match, right? Like because we got you know Slater versus Ryan or Slater and Rhino against a couple different teams. They got to really shine highly. Then when the Usos came out to defeat them and then do a beatdown on them after the match, they looked really good. Um, even once. American Alpha beat uh, the Usos, and uh, they got a they kind of beat them down on the way out. The Usos laid it down on American Alpha. We got a good Ascension segment, which I think is 
probably the most surprising part of this. The Ascension looked really good. Um, so I, I like the concept in its uh, in its format just because we get little kind of vignettes throughout the match. Yeah, yeah you know, like Breeze Angle, them being the fashion police, uh, it was nice to get the comedy in at the start and move on and talk about Breeze Angle. I was watching, you know, obviously this pay-per-view with Mother D, and when Brazango came out in their fa- fashion police costumes, I told Mother D, hey, Mom, look at the screen. Let, let me know your thoughts on them. And she looked, ooh, I like these guys. Awesome, and, awesome. And seeing Fandango, you know, doing the sunset flip spot, you know, kind of <laughs> waving his arms around like he's about to fall down and stop and, and kind of gyrating. <laughs> throwing his tickets out and all that. And Mother D loved that. And I I think Brazango might be Mother D's new favorite awesome. Well I I think they they deserve you know, they're they're one that I feel like is doing fantastically with what they're given. And I I I really like those two. And I think they're that's an act that can be on the bottom of the card. They can get tag team title shots and go back and forth because I really feel like those characters just buoy them, right? And they they can they can really hold themselves up just with that and just how well they play them. I just and I don't know. Their cool new white costumes were pretty cool as well. I feel like you know this whole teaming. Uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango together is for the best for both of them on the main roster because having them, you know, you know, to have them separate, they were floundering and all that, and yeah. you know, and just seem like that, you know, their chemistry is well, you know, they figure out a good, you know, I guess, you know, they found the right characters for them as a team, and I'm just excited to see them be it, you know, tagging up and all that for the rest of the year and. I'm excited to see where where they go in 2017 and beyond. Right. What What's your opinions on um, the Ascension and perhaps that they're getting behind them a little bit? Well, for the longest time, I found the Ascension to be bland uh, and kind of boring. And with, you know, at the end, with, you know, Usos laying out the America Alpha and Ascension coming down, I believed... The Ascension was going to win and walk out okay. as tag team champions. So I felt like WWE did a good job in America. Alpha and the Usos did a good job making me, as a viewer, believe that the America Alpha was going to, you know, lose the tag team titles right at the end against the Ascension. Yeah, I I really liked I those that last maybe five or seven minutes in general. I I thought all three teams really did a good job and um just uh, played their parts perfectly and you know as an old time NXT viewer uh the ascension were were great and they were so dominant on top of the um on top of the tag ranks there and they just like came in with a big fart uh onto the main roster and I just I still can't forgive uh, JBL for for shitting on them in their debut so badly. It was it just that really ticked me off. But whatever, it was it was a bad start, and they haven't really recovered, you know, up until now. So 
I uh, I think this is they're they're trying to get the ball rolling with these guys who, um, especially Victor, is a great in ring performer and uh, yeah, I, I like where they're going and I really think American Alpha is awesome too. So I like to get your thoughts on the Usos because this is the first time I've seen them since they went uh, they went heel they became villains. This is the first time you've seen them. At least I can remember seeing ice with them where, like, I guess, like the three minute warning kind of get up on the tape. <laughs> you watched top. Survivor Series. I did, but I do not remember anything. F- I don't remember them on Survivor Series, so they did not leave an impression on me then. Okay. But I guess I wanted to mention, you know, them now because, yeah, they, they kind of remind me of, at least they're tired for the chamber, remind me a lot of three minute warning. I don't. Don't know which of the two it was, but one was starting to fill out a little bit. Kind of remind me of their father, Rikishi, is starting to get a little bit bigger. So I, I guess, in essence, I'm just I'm just excited to see that you know they're different. They're finally changing up their attire and change up the way they wrestle. You're giving me weird. I just looks. think I just think it's funny that you're talking about this. But it's been almost a year. <laughs> It's it's been like eight months since they've done this. Have it? <laughs> yeah. I guess it was right. It was like right after they got drafted to SmackDown. I I it was guess in the it, summer. It shows how much I either don't pay attention to the tag division, which I don't, and how much well, I've seen them on the on the network pay per views, on how little of an impact and impression they leave on me. Okay. Yeah, but anyways, I I like their characters ever since this change happened. Um, I think they peaked a few months ago, and they're kind of uh, trying to get back to that. But I I really think that their dynamic between them and uh, American Alpha is really good. And it would appear as if that's maybe where we're headed, um, possibly for WrestleMania, probably on the pre-show, I guess, would be my thoughts. But. I definitely picked up those vibes too. The yeah, but probably Usos and in America Elf at Mania as well. Yeah, yeah, that that would be my guess. But uh, and I think I think they have great chemistry. I really think they'd get along well. Um, all right. So speaking of, I think definitely stories that aren't done that may be culminated at Mania or even after. I don't know. Is uh, Nikki Bella taking on Natalia? What's your thoughts? I guess first on the story of this uh, this uh, match here. I know you're gonna shit all over this, but Beverly Hills. But I wasn't really paying that much attention to the match because it just didn't connect with me and all that. Oh, okay. I'm all sorry. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, so this is one that I think is kind of set up by Total Divas. Um, it's. Uh, based on the jealousy of Natalia here who attacked Nikki Bella at uh Survivor Series um yeah I th- I thought it was pretty good I guess uh I definitely I got go ahead. Uh, what do you feel like the I guess where do you feel like this feud is going to from after ch- the Chamber pay-per-view I don't know you know they I I was you know, after Royal Rumble a lot of uh, Folks were were thinking that Nikki Bella was going to be do end up doing something with John Cena at uh, WrestleMania, but 
right here, it definitely looks that this uh, feud is going to continue, especially with the post-match angle of Natalia attacking Nikki in the back. So unless if they do something to wrap this up in the few weeks prior to WrestleMania, my thoughts would be that this would um, culminate at at the pay-per-view itself. Okay. If Let's say if this would go to WrestleMania and somehow they would tie in John Cena because now after you mentioned that, it, you know, kind of, I remember the announcers talking about, you know, Natalia saying that she could get John Cena if she wanted to and all that. How could, how could John Cena be added to this feud in your opinion? Yeah, I don't think he can. I th- I think if you want John Cena in it, you got to go in a different direction. You got to go with one of the other couples. You either have to go like what I what I kept reading and hearing would be that uh, you'd go with Miz and Maurice or which, you know one of those other directions. Which Maurice was kind of in tied in with their that backstage statement beat down right. afterwards. So yep, I could, yeah. I've been hearing those, those rumblings too about possibly. Nikki and John against Miz and Maurice at WrestleMania. So I guess they could possibly wrap up Nikki and Natalya on a SmackDown next few weeks, then transition it to Cena and Nikki against Miz and Maurice at WrestleMania, which I guess out of those two possible scenarios with continuing Nikki and Natalya at WrestleMania or the mixed tag match, I would rather see the mixed tag match over, oh. over the singles women. Okay. I, I can't agree with you there. I don't know if uh, why uh, two of your best uh, singles males, two of your best singles females, were going to tie them up in a meaningless mixed tag match. Fair I'm enough, not yeah. sure if I would go that way, just because especially how good John Cena's looked lately. Uh, I don't. I personally wouldn't go that way, but I guess if that's uh, if that's how you're feeling, that's how you're feeling. I that just that wouldn't be my first choice, but. Whatever, we'll see where they go on to, it, I guess. To each our own, I suppose. Yeah, but I I liked the match itself. I thought uh, uh, Natalia really showed a lot of aggression toward uh, Nikki there, and I thought Nikki really uh, played from underneath uh, pretty well here. Uh, what I'm not a huge fan of is um, them doing these stories that seemingly kind of come from the reality shows. Not a huge fan of that. Um, I don't want to watch Total Divas. I don't want to watch Total Bellas at all. And uh, I I don't appreciate that stories coming from there onto uh, my wrestling show, I guess. I don't know. I agree with you that uh, I will admit I did watch the first episode of the first season of the WWE Network just to see what it's all about of Total Divas, but... I in the same boat as you that I do not want you know them to do have storylines based off of Total Divas slash Total Bellas because as with you, Mister Beverly Hills, I have absolutely no interest to go and watch that to kind of figure out okay this is why Natalia and Nikki are feuding this is why you know Natalia made those comments to Nikki Bella about she can steal Johnson away from her at any time. She wants to, even though Natalia's happily married, married with T.J. Wilson and all that. But I do really like Natalia's new heel. I guess she's been a heel for a year now. But I really like to see this evil mean streak out of Natalia. And I feel like her being the 
one of the top heels for the women's division on SmackDown helps out the SmackDown women's division tenfold. Yeah, I I think, um, yeah, for sure. She's she's a really strong kind of like anchor um, because she's she's so veteran. Uh, she's great in the ring. She knows her character and she knows how to play it. And she's, like I said, kind of that anchor, kind of that center that all the stories can kind of revolve around. And she can insert herself in all these different places and really um, be be that that stronghold of the whole division. And and I really I really would agree with you on that one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Going talking about that that future main eventer of WrestleMania, talking about Randy Orton here. He's this is I guess why family explodes here with Randy Orton taking on Luke Harper. Uh, first, wanted to get your your opinions just in general on Luke Harper as a as a performer. I am hoping that since. They broke Luke Harper away from Bray White and the White family. I am hoping that they would give him. I'm interested to see where they go from here. That I really enjoyed him as an Intercontinental Champion for a few weeks. Was it a couple yeah. Novembers ago or so when he was uh, feuding with Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Title? Uh, yeah, right on when Stain debuted at the Survivor Series a couple years back. Uh, I really enjoyed like the latter match that Ziggler and and uh, Harper had. I'm hoping now, you know, this match, the singles match with Harper and Orton, I felt like was the singles match of the night at the pay-per-view. And and I, like I said, walked in with low expectations for the match, and I was really impressed with his performance. And I am hoping that they, they are behind Luke Harper and, you know, give him a chance to be able to shine on his own, and yeah, I'm just happy for Luke Harper breaking away. Yeah, I love I love Luke Harper. I really think he's been perhaps underutilized uh, in in his roles in the past few years. But I've I've dug Luke Harper for gosh almost ten years, <laughs> going back to his um, time in uh, Chikara where he. His character was that of a trucker. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask that. I remember you mentioning it to me before when the Wyatt family debuted on the main roster that, or I think even a little bit on NXT, that you've watched Luke Harper you know, before pre-WWE, and you were impressed with him and how he was a very agile big man mm-hmm. and yeah. excited to see him on the main roster to see what they do with him. Yeah, for sure, because they they actually in, the, in this match really showcased that ability. But back when he was back in Chikara, he, he he's you can tell on WWE he's a huge guy. But uh, on the independent scene, he's a big guy by eight inches, right? <laughs> that when the the average height in WWE is maybe six one something like that. Average height on the independent scenes like five eight. So him as a big guy, being able to do kind of the monster thing, but also keep up with the the likes of those guys was was fantastic. And I really thought that because at the same time he was there, so was Cesaro, 
And it was pretty easy for me to say these two are are the ones who can do something in the WWE. And I'm glad to see that that was true. And I'm glad to see that they're both in pretty prominent roles because I really uh, like them a lot. But I, I, this match was really great. Do you have any thoughts uh, on, on I, parts of this match? I guess match? before I get my thoughts on this match, you're, okay. you're talking about Harper. Do you yeah. feel like he could be... The modern day Bam Bam Bigelow because of, oh yeah you know the Bam Bam was you know big and agile and we you know we talked about Bam Bam on the road to WrestleMania 11 series and and how he definitely carried LT to a great match at at WrestleMania 11 and I guess with you kind of describing Luke Harper and all that it just popped in my mind that he in ways is kind of like the modern day Bam Bam on. Being a big guy, being able to wrestle as a big guy, but also being agile and pulling up moves that we're surprised and impressed with when he pulls them out. Yeah, I can see that. I I think we saw that in this match, being able to take a, a superplex off the top rope, um, doing a tope to the outside, um, and really just being able not not that Randy Orton is Rey Mysterio Jr., but being able to keep up with him throughout the whole match and and take all his moves and give them right back. I really think it showed that uh, he's a person that can be super solid wherever you put him. Yeah, and to tie in with the you know the match that he asked me about a minute or two ago, mm-hmm. I really liked the ending on when. Harper was going to go for this discus clothesline, but he was, you know, do, doing the full rotation, or, you know, block the arm, yep. RKO out of nowhere. I, I, you know, we've mentioned this many times throughout the past on the podcast, but I really like the RKOs out of nowhere and finishes out of nowhere, like you were mentioning earlier with the first women's, women's title match, or women's um, division match, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- that finish I remember, and... I enjoyed, and I was happy to see Orton win, and I was happy to see, you know, that Harper had... I I felt like in this match, Harper came across as a legit contender and a guy who could possibly beat Orton if Harper had Orton's number on a better day. Yeah, I think this is one of those ones where it really kind of high tide raises all ships. I think uh, Orton looked... uh, good coming out of it and you know sometimes we see royal rumble winners kind of drop down in that month or two before the wrestlemania this this definitely wasn't that this is one where you're happy to kind of see him keep going upward and i really think that harper looked really good in loss i thought he came out uh you know looking really good in this match and Whatever they choose to do with him, I think he can sure do that. Yeah, like I said, I'm hoping that they don't hurt uh, Harper with any booking that they do in the future. I feel like I hope they showcase Harper more often down the road. I'm always afraid with big guys who were kind of playing the monster role when they turn them into uh, heroes. I'm always afraid that they turn them into kind of like the, uh, the sloth from Goonies character, just kind of like the big, dumb, lovable person kind of, I mean, it's, it's timely kind of into the George, the animal steel role. 
Yeah. You know, I I think that's probably their template that they go off of. They think that okay, we have this big guy who was a monster. Now he's going to be a good guy. He's got to be this kind of like simpleton yeah. that is like oh hey ooh, yeah, i like you <laughs> i know i know you could uh agree with me on this no disrespect to the late great uh george samuel steel but i believe luke harper is hell of a lot better than that it'd be a waste of talent to have him do that simpleton kind of role as a baby face yeah well george well george Steele is almost 50 years old when he was doing that so that's that's a, a big difference there i think it yeah it would definitely be a waste putting a prime career guy of of luke harper's nature but you can you can track it you got luke harper you got eric rowan they did it when he turned face they did it to vladimir kozlov they did it to um, what's the the guy with the rose? Uh, oh, the great Kali. Yeah, great Kali. All all those guys, right? So it it seems to be what they like to do. But so we'll we'll kind of watch and and hopefully they don't go down that road. But whatever. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right on. Okay, so to our next title match here. We had Alexa Bliss defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against uh, Naomi and losing it to Naomi, kind of in a surprising yeah. turn of events for me. Yeah, I, I thought that was very surprising. I'm there with you. I was surprised to see Naomi win. Out of the three women's matches, I do feel like this was probably the be- best women's match out of the whole you night. You do? I okay. Do, do just because of the surprise ending and you know, the in-ring Pro in interview that Naomi had on, you know, tearing up, uh, tearing up, and you know, showing the fans that her winning the title means a lot. And going into WrestleMania, going into her hometown as champion means a lot to her. And I guess I'm just interested to see what they do with Naomi as champion because before the Chamber, I never could see Naomi as women's champion carrying the carrying the division and. I do like her dancing gimmick in the black lights coming down in the ring. I do like her spandex, but I'm just yeah, I'm just excited to see what they do with Naomi going into WrestleMania as women's wow. champion. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting to me. I thought this was by far the worst of the three women's matches. Uh, I I really like Alexa Bliss. Um, not so much on Naomi. I think she's got a ways to go. Uh, to reach the level of the others, but it's I'm okay with uh, I guess hitching your wagon to a new uh, new person, seeing what they can do. Um, but yeah, that, I wasn't blown away by the match really or the promo. I thought that was kind of little little modeling for me, kind of a little reaching, I guess, like drama for the sake of drama. And if I hear you deserve it. One more time to someone who doesn't, yeah. I probably will puke right well, there. Talk, she does not deserve it. Talked about that you deserve it. You know, earlier in the show, I talked to Jordan Garber about you know the pay per view and all that, and he mentioned he talked about the you deserve it chant, and he wasn't high on it and doesn't like the chant in general. Sure. And and I, I agree with both of you that you deserve it chant is silly. That I, I talked with Jordan about how else we know thing you know. The winners are predetermined and all that, so I just I guess I just find it kind of silly 
about the you deserve a chance and and all that. It, it's just so overused, yeah. and I mean, like, it's one of those things where I just feel I I'm gonna sound super elitist here, so just bear with me. But like, I feel like it's one of those things where people who were kind of in the know did that for wrestlers who really did deserve it. People who had, you know, toiled for, for 15 or 20 years and, and are finally getting their shot where then it kind of was co-opted by folks who, who don't really know why they were doing it. And now they just do it for everybody. Kind of like, I, I feel it's this along the same lines of my other, my other chant that I really despise, which is the 10 chant. Oh, yeah. I feel like 90% of these people have never even watched NXT yeah. and whatever. Again, it's kind of an elitist thing for me to say that, but eh, no, whatever. I, I agree with you that I don't watch NXT. I admitted that many a times on this podcast and all that. I was starting to get a little perturbed on the 10, 10, 10 yeah. chant during like, you know, when the referees cut the guys out in, you know, whatever matches, you know, I was having a tough, tough time hearing the referee. Yeah, I know, out, right? And I had to pay attention to the referee's hand gestures on where they're at. I'm like, fans, come on now. Ty yeah. Dillinger isn't on yeah. the SmackDown brand. I, I understand that you guys enjoy his 10-10-10 gimmick, but come on now. Right. And, and I... For, yeah, yeah. It's annoying because you. I saw like a 70-year-old. It's annoying because you can't hear the, the ref. Why? But then, yeah. But then also it's it's just that point where I really feel like most of these people don't watch that and are just doing it because they see it on TV or whatever, and I think that's annoying. Yeah. So whatever. Okay. So on to the main event, which I'm sure you guys talked about pretty extensively. That's probably your, your main gist there. But our main event – was the elimination chamber for the um, championship, the WWE championship. John Cena coming in as the champion. Uh, our participants, John Cena, Bray Wyatt, uh, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, and The Miz. Our winner and new champion is Bray Wyatt. What's your thoughts, I guess, in general? Anything? Go for it. If... Luckily, this wasn't a video cast because if you guys would could, you would see me <laughs> with, my, with my phone flashlight on, you know, lightning lightning bug. But I am happy that Bray Wyatt won because you know we had talked about this two weeks ago when we reviewed the Rumble. That I I I guess I'm just excited to see, you know see where Wyatt goes as WWE champion into WrestleMania and further and down the road and. I really like this new Elimination Chamber, how they squared it up a lot and made it safer on the outside with, like, the yep. hard rubber padding instead of, you know, falling on the the Great. chain link fence and all that. And and I was not bored at all during, during the Chamber match. I thought they paced everything out well and told many of stories. And mm-hmm. I feel like out of the Elimination Chamber, we could, you know... Possibly see Ambrose and Corbin at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental title, which and I thought they protected Corbin greatly, and I thought like he did another great performance in the Chamber, like he did at the Royal Rumble, and mm-hmm. you know then a couple months ago at Survivor Series as well. And I feel like yeah, Corbin's making great improvements over the last year since winning the Andre the Giant 
Memorial Battle Royal at last year's WrestleMania, but yeah, I, I thought Corbin. I thought Corbin was probably my MVP coming out of it. Uh, I thought they did a really good job protecting him, and he looked really strong in the you know 10, 10 15 minutes he was in the uh, match, and uh, even in in loss, you can barely remember that he he lost or was the first one out because he did such a good job just destroying Ambrose afterward. Yeah. And yeah. And I feel like Miz did a great job of being the last one out of his, his pod. And mm-hmm. you no, know, once Corbin heard the countdown for the Miz to come out, you know, Corbin was the last, you know, only man standing at that time. And he turned around, was facing Miz, waiting for him to come out to attack him. And Miz's facial expressions on, Oh crap. I'm next and stayed in his pod and, you know, avoiding Corbin at all costs, not wanting to walk out of his pod and get his, his face beaten and bloody yeah. and beaten back and whatever else. But I felt like, yeah, Corbin, I mean, I, I just been really loving how they've been protecting Corbin and making him out, out as a legit monster. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think they've been doing a great job. And then I, I like that they did a good job, kind of, like you said, segmenting it out, uh, segmenting out the match where we had Corbin's dominance, then we got rid of him. We got rid of him and Ambrose at the same time, down to those four, and we really kind of started to uh, hone in on the main kind of characters here. I, I really liked that, uh, the the pacing and the structure of this match. And I want to get your thoughts on, you know, coming down to Cena, Wyatt, and Amber, or in uh, Styles, and yep. Cena being eliminated first, you know, guaranteeing us a new WWE champion between Styles and, and Wyatt. And before you give your opinion, I really enjoy that because, you know, obviously Wyatt pinned him, and Wyatt would go on and win the match. I felt that helped Wyatt out a lot, beating the WWE champion and beating the former WWE champion, you know, and all that. And with the span of eight to ten minutes, with his finisher cleanly, and all that. I guess, yeah. What, what's your thoughts about that? I think I think it was the perfect decision because I think it, it allows you to. Um, you know, just really change the the story, right? Like if you leave Cena, well, you have the champion. It's now is Cena going to keep his title? I think is the main story, rather than you know he's gone. Now the story is will Styles reclaim his title and you know possibly face Cena at, at Mania or are you will you have uh, Wyatt who would have this kind of ready-made storyline with Orton you're not you're not thinking about Cena anymore and i think that's the the key getting the champion out of there so that you're you're focused on a new thing instead of the previous so i think it was definitely the right decision putting him out at third and like you said then giving Wyatt two the final two eliminations. And I guess, you know, over the last few days, I was thinking about what Bray Wyatt has done at, at the last several WrestleManias. You know, last year at 32, he didn't do he, he didn't have a match that he had the interaction with The Rock, and The Rock defeated mm. uh, Eric Rowan in six seconds. Then the year before, 
Bray Wyatt lost to John Cena, then Norton lost to The Undertaker. That yeah. WrestleMania 30, he lost to John Cena. I guess what what is your thoughts on Bray Wyatt being the WWE champion going into WrestleMania 33 in Orlando? Because I feel like Wyatt wasn't as protected going into the chamber as to win the title and walk out as champion. And I know that really doesn't mean much anymore and and all that, but I guess you know, what is your thoughts on Wyatt being walking into WrestleMania as WWE champion compared to uh, John Cena or AJ Styles or Dean Ambrose? I'll try to parse out those different things. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I think that... First off, I guess, with the other manias, I think that he, and actually this one probably will too, he's definitely kind of being set up as the loser, right? (laughs) Because he's kind of a guy who uh, losses don't so much affect him. Big big characters can take losses and, and keep on, you know? It's like, for those of you who are horror fans, at the end of the movie, the monster usually gets defeated. But he's able to come back in the sequel, and all you need to give him is a few kills, and then he's the same beast that he was before. And that's kind of what uh, uh, the role that Wyatt plays um, for the most part. And it probably will again, and it'll probably work again. The only thing that I'm disappointed in in what we're looking at probably for WrestleMania is that... uh, I think him winning was such a good moment and the fans really enjoyed it. I think you could, you can see the reaction just overall is very good toward him. He's a solid worker, all that kind of stuff, but it, it really would appear as if he's set for a loss. And I think looking at this good match, he's doing kind of the best work of, in a, in a, of a long time here, it's just it would, it's a little disappointing that it appears as if he's kind of set for a five week title reign or whatever. I guess I kind of talked about that. I talked it with you know a little bit with Jordan earlier to the podcast that after the Elimination Chamber pay per view, I was texting a few of my buddies, and one of them were kind of I guess going off ranting about why give. John Cena, his 16th world title reign, tying it with Ric Flair, only holding the title for two weeks. And I came back with saying that you know, when Ric Flair won his 16th world title in WCW, if I remember correctly, he only held it for a couple days and wasn't as good as Styles and, and Cena at Royal Rumble a few weeks ago. And... Also, and you know, his win was just Kevin Nash handing him the title. Yeah. And, so even more. <laughs> that, so that's a, an added feature to it. And obviously the you know the WCW title and the WWE title for that fact didn't mean as much in 99 and two, in 2000. And obviously doesn't mean as much to like when Ric Flair first won the world title back in the early 80s. But I guess what is your thoughts on... I guess the fuss about John Cena tying the you know tying Ric Flair's record and only holding the title for two weeks. Yeah, I guess my my thought would be the title reigns aren't as important right now, and you kind of just have to deal with that. Um, but also, I don't know who cares. 
he's uh, he he does deserve it. He's uh, the best wrestler of this generation. Um, who cares? I think it's probably part of possibly a story of him coming back and thinking about if he wants 17 or not, you know, later in this year or whatever. He'll probably, you know, it's probably going to be tied into the fact that 16 was kind of disappointing. Um, maybe we'll get something at Mania regarding this. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I guess, you know, we've talked about this many a times too, but, you know, the last couple of years since, I guess since Cena lost his 15th to Brock Lesnar in dominant fashion at SummerSlam, that Cena's been putting on great matches to change his legacy and all that. And, you know, for the longest time, I wasn't a John Cena fan. And when he won his 16th at, at Rumble a few weeks ago, I was okay with it. And I'm okay with him defeating Ric Flair's record, you know, winning the 17th and all that. And, you know, like I said, he is... I guess the Ric Flair, the Hulk Hogan, the Bruno Sammartino of this era in WWE, and I feel like it would be, you know, he deserves that legacy on surpassing Ric Flair's 16 world title reigns to win the 17th later on, and if it's anything like when he, his match with AJ Styles win his 16th, it's going to be an awesome match, it's going to be the match of the night, so like you said, yeah, who cares? He, Cena deserves, deserves that, that legacy. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak for the person who said this to you or whatever, but I think a lot of times people get tied up too much on the numbers and stuff rather than, like you said, the actual thing itself. And when you actually say out loud what that 16th reign was, when it was literally Kevin Nash handing him the title and then him holding it for two days versus like you so so well said that amazing match at uh, Rumble I'll take this one yeah. <laughs> you know I'll I'll take that one so just because we like or people like Ric Flair better you you got to take that out of it. You can't say just because I like that that person better, I don't want it ever to happen again. That's stupid. That's like just if you're a you know um, a Joe Montana fan, right? Because this, this is this year, right? Oh. Joe Montana won four Super Bowls. Just because you like Joe Montana better than Tom Brady, you don't want to see the um the record broken of quarterbacks winning a Super Bowl, you still have to admit that Tom Brady's amazing and probably better than Joe Montana. Like that doesn't make it you you aren't gonna go like sit in a corner and cry. That's why wrestling fans are stupid sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Like yeah. <laughs> just admit like it's okay. It's okay. I'll give you the your blankie, well, I guess. If that was the case <laughs> the case that I'll still be butthurt about John Cena winning his first WWE title against yeah. JBL because I was a huge JBL <laughs> fan in yeah. 2004 and 2005, and it still breaks my heart. Me visually seeing, like, 50 feet away, JBL saying, I quit, I quit, I quit in the Target Center in May of 2005. <laughs> you know, I'll still be butthurt about that, but... No, I'm, but you can accept it, Yeah, right? I've accepted I moved on, and yes. I, like you mentioned before, I enjoy this run of John Cena. He changed... My opinion on on him and his matches and his legacy, and 
oh well, I suppose. But yeah, I guess you know. Think of it before I totally forget. I'm sure the same people who are complaining about John Cena's two week sixteenth world title run probably would complain if John Cena would go on and face Ready Orton at WrestleMania because that feud was way overdone. Was it five or so years ago? The that's this is your best point. People aren't upset about the fact that it was a two-week reign. They're upset because it was a two-week reign of John Cena. They would be upset if it was a three-week reign of John Cena. They would be upset it was a seven-week reign and we went to WrestleMania. They would be upset it was a seventh-month reign and he made it to Survivor Series. It or SummerSlam would be the seventh-month reign. You know, you got to get beyond your prejudices, and I think that's just where people are at. Yeah, for sure, and I guess I am, and we kind of you know preluded to the opening of the show, and we kind of talked about it a little bit off air, but on SmackDown this past week, Orton you know forwent his number one contendership to face Wyatt at WrestleMania, and if I remember correctly, on this coming week on SmackDown, as, as of us recording, you're going to have a number one contendership battle royal to determine who the new number one contender is for Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. What is your thoughts on that storyline wrinkle that we started to talk about for the Royal Rumble review cast this year into now and going into WrestleMania? What is your thoughts on currently, as of us recording, Randy Orton not wanting to uh, claim his main event WrestleMania championship match? I think it's cool. I think it's uh, more part of the long con of him, uh, you know, eventually going to turn on Wyatt. I, I like it. I think it's a, a cool first step in this in this story here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I'm just excited to see yeah where things go from here on that. And I know I kind of mentioned it too, but what can you see Ambrose and Corbin for the Intercontinental Title at WrestleMania? Because I thought they heavily alluded to that in the chamber match. Sure, sounds good to me. I'm, I'm sure it'd be good, so that's uh, most important in my world. Fair enough, because I would, <laughs> I'll, I'd like, you know, I guess I would like to see that, just to see what kind of match Corbin and Ambrose you know, what could have at WrestleMania, and I guess, you know, I was pretty excited two weeks ago when we, were, when we came online and when jumped on Skype and Review the Royal Rumble, how I was excited to see where we go for WrestleMania 33 in Orlando this year. And two weeks later, after the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, how the WrestleMania card is starting to get a little bit more clear by the week, by the pay-per-view. And I'm starting to get a little excited to see what what we could get at WrestleMania this year. And I wasn't excited at all for the last few WrestleMania build-ups. Right on. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, I guess it's time for us to do the plugs and all that for the podcast. Mr. Beverly Hills, how can the listeners of Main Event Status Radio find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Beverly Hills MES. That's uh, where you can interact with me. How about you, my man? At Dirty Dog MES on the Twitter machine. That's Dog as D A W G at Dirty Dog MES. You guys can interact interact with us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio. Type us in there. Hit the like button. Interact with us there. It's a fun time had by all. Facebook, Twitter, and also you guys can listen to us on our website, Main Event Status, 
SoundCloud.com. Again, that's MidEventStatus.com. On SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Radio. Chill with us there. Listen to us there. You guys should also listen to us on both Mr. Beverly Hills and my favorite outlet, iTunes. Mr. Beverly Hills, tell us about iTunes. Go to iTunes and search your main event status radio, rate, comment, and subscribe. It would be helpful to us. So. And talk about iTunes. I also have another podcast, Wrestling with the Dog, on iTunes. Hit the you know subscribe you know hit the subscribe button rate review and you know help both podcasts move up the charts. I want this to be like Raw and Nitro from the Attitude Era <laughs> fighting with each other. Uh, as of us recording this, the Elimination Chamber pay per view it just got released earlier today. The show I did with Joe Drilling for What a Maneuver, talking the Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy ladder match for the undisputed title from Raw in two thousand and two. It was a fun time I had with Joe, kind of talking about, you know, the WWF a name changed to WWE, the biker taker gimmick, possibly Jeff Hardy winning the WWE title in 2002, and his problems staying clean in that time. Jim Ross's awesome call on making that match a heck of a lot better, at least to me remembering it than watching it back and all that. So go to whenitwascool.com to. Learn more about wrestling with the dog. Again, that's when it was cool. dot com. <laughs> Great. And for Mister Beverly Hills, I'm the Dirty Dog Darcy. We'll wrestle with you guys the next main event. All right. We'll see you later, guys. Shame to cry, ooh, baby. Here I am, signed to deliver. I'm yours, ooh, yeah. I will say goodbye, and now I'm back, and not ashamed to cry, ooh, baby. Here I am, signed to deliver. I'm yours. Amazing. You get, you get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. That's so good.